The Highlander Rewatched Podcast is proud to announce the release of a brand new book of short stories from acclaimed Highlander writer Maury Ravinsky. Maury Ravinsky is responsible for penning such Highlander classics such as The Fighter, Brothers in Arms, The End of Innocence, and Unusual Suspects. Maury's new book, The Heart and Other Strangers, is a masterfully executed collection of short fiction. Don't take my word for it. Listen to legendary Highlander producers and writers David Abramowitz, Gillian Horvath, and Donna Leto. You will know from all of his writing, including his Highlander episodes, that this is a man who really understands the inner mythologies that humanity has in common across society. He really explores the questions and connections that drive us. I really admired Maury's writing on Highlander and also his novel Dreamkeeper was great. So I followed him to Saskatchewan in the coldest winter in 122 years to work with him on MythQuest. And I don't regret it. I love Maury's book. It had heart and charm, humor and sex and schmaltz, which means it's heart, but it's heart that's dripping with sentiment. The Heart and Other Strangers features 10 brand new stories, such as The Bare Naked Morning of Mama LeBeau, A Placebo Fairy Tale, Little Jeffy's Penis, Doc and the Bungalow Queen, and more. You know, Maury's a wonderful writer and has always been a wonderful writer. He comes at things from a very different angle, from a very interesting angle and a very humorous angle in this, in this book of delightful short stories. I think it's wonderful. Head to theheartandotherstrangers.com to order your paperback or Kindle edition of the book, learn more about the author, and discover Maury's other books, such as his acclaimed debut novel, Dreamkeeper, which was named to the Los Angeles Times Best Books of the Year, or his other book of short stories, Meeting God or Something Like It. The Heart and Other Strangers injects layers upon layer of texture and meaning into every tale. Ravinsky writes that rarest of animals, literature. Order The Heart and Other Strangers today. Pick up a copy of The Heart and Other Strangers. You won't regret it. I urge you to buy Maury Ravinsky's new book. Buy this book before everyone else does. Order your paperback or digital copy at theheartandotherstrangers.com today. Ravinsky is a knowing and wise guide through the ventricles and oracles of the human condition. Enjoy the ride. Watchers, when we recorded this episode, it was in the middle of a huge thunder and lightning storm in Philadelphia. As a result, the lightning interfered a bit with the recording, and there are a few small spots in the episode where the audio gets a little low and crackles. Don't worry, it passes quickly. We just wanted to give you a heads up. It's not you, it's us! Thanks again for listening to the podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. On to the show! What do you know about Doc Quickings? Come on, you're reaching, McLeod. Reaching what? Somebody mind filling me in here, please? When we take an immortal's head, we take his energy, his 
power, his strength. Right. In a dark quickening, if you take in too much evil, you, you overload. You become evil yourself? There is no proof. How much is too much, Mac? No one knows. It's because no one's seen it happen. It's a myth. Something changed him. Well, whatever it was, Mac, he tried to kill us. Does it matter how he got to be that way? It matters to me. Guy could get a serious rope burn like that. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we revisit another aspect of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And this week we are talking about season four, episode 13, Something Wicked. And boy, we got some wicked commentary for you today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, I always try to make a gross sex joke about the thing that you say, and you always try to cut me off, and this time you succeed. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even remember what it was anymore. It was probably something about bondage. Rope burn. Rope burn. Richard Rope burn. Richard Rope burn. <laughs> and Roger Ebert. <laughs> <laughs> so before we hop into a review of this week's episode, we thought we'd read a little bit more from the Highlander catalog. And so this week we're going to be reading out of the best of Highlander. So last time it was the 100-year anniversary. This is just best of her mm-hmm. 100th episode. That's right. Yeah. So this is the very best that Highlander has to offer. And on the front it has a little sticker that says, Fabulous bonus, substitute gift, parka and sport duffel. See back cover for details with purchase of $150 or more. What's a wow. substitute gift? Well, I think I if you know. pay, if you purchase so much, you get like a free gift in the mail. Like I remember getting What's like... the substitute? Why is, it, why is the word substitute involved? Because I guess normally maybe they offer the Watcher Chronicles CD, but you could also get the sports duffel instead. You could uh, sub out the normal yeah. free gift because they got to unload some merch. Because uh, this is unload prob- these duffels. That's right. Can uh, have a catalog for dogs? <laughs> what? What? Dog catalog? Like with dogs in it, or is it a catalog that dogs read? <laughs> well, no, because like, <laughs> is it a dogalog? Dog. Oh, <laughs> I get a catalog. This is the wow. worst joke I've ever heard. <laughs> Dog alike. Well, it's good we're talking about substitute gifts because that's particularly the item we're going to talk about today. Simon and Kyle, I'm going to read you the description of the best of Highlander pullover parka. So it really is the best of Highlander pullover parka? Yes. I will read the description and then I will show you this item and describe it. The best of Highlander pullover parka, crafted of sp- That's a tongue twister. I know, crafted of special weather-resistant PVC-coated nylon. This oversized layering piece comes equipped with a whole network of smartly designed weather-busting details in legendary colors. In legendary colors, legendary of black and red. <laughs> What, what are those legendary? Uh, are truly the, legendary are, colors. Are we supposed to think those are the Highlander colors? Yeah, like Highlander doesn't have colors, does it? I, no, it's a black and white program, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. So in legendary colors of black and red with best of Highlander emblems screened on arm and chest, 
and inside front zip pouch pocket. And so you can get it in small, medium, large, and extra large. And then there is an upcharge for the extra, extra large or extra, extra, extra large. It smells like upcharge in here. <laughs> What's upcharge? Uh, so, guys, you can try to guess. We're not playing prices, prices Right rules. We're just trying to get closest to the price uh, of the small, medium, or large. So that's like the base price. So here, I'm going to hold this up so you can see what it is. Here's this parka. And it Whoa. literally says the best of Highlander on it. What a strange product. <laughs> like, very weird. Like the best of? Like it's Highlander the catalog, the parka. Yeah. <laughs> this shirt is celebrating the best of Highlander. Sure. It's not a shirt. I'm going to say it's $200. Wow. All right. Whoa. $200 for this. Well, it's legendary colors. Okay, it's well, legendary. I, for one also, thing, I would even say that it looks orange and black. Not PVC black. coating. My guess is it's actually under a hundred dollars, but I'm going to guess one hundred dollars to cover right. my base. So, I mean, you guessed how much? A hundred, two hundred, two hundred, and you guessed one hundred fifty. I just guessed a hundred. Okay, well, I guess, or I guess I'll guess one ninety nine. Sure. Are you <laughs> actually, out of your there's, mind? There's, there's no reason not to. <laughs> one ninety nine. The actual retail price of the Best of Highlander pullover parka with PVC coated nylon, whatever, is forty nine ninety five. Well, I, I, actually, way I was actually going to guess originally if you had not. Skyed it so much. Yeah. I was gonna guess forty four ninety nine. It's the that PVC coating. I thought that would have bumped the price up a little bit. And it's the best. It is, it the, is best. the best. And it's smartly designed. I'm it's not sure how it's, it's smartly designed. I mean, like I don't know what makes this special in any Can way. I see it. What was this bag come with it, or is it different? Well, that's a separate product. So it's it, the best of Highlander sport duffel. Yes, which is the other alternate gift you could get. Oh, it's built of this with the same rugged weather warming PVC treated nylon as the pullover parka. That's right. <laughs> Good thing we have these pop screens. That's right. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 This is perplexing. The best of Highlander. Like, what a strange thing. Why not just put Highlander on it? There's also the best of Highlander VHS tape collection. But that makes sense because it's like. Yes. <laughs> like, they're actually the best episodes. You don't need a who commemorative jacket. Who's, who watches the watchers? Oh, that's true. I'm Joe Dawson. I'm a watcher. <laughs> well, good job, guys. Yeah. Well, not aiming so much, but. No, I, I failed. <laughs> The quality was so high on that Best of Highlander pullover parka that... That's weather-resistant nylon. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, the denim Highlander jacket I have, I think the quality's pretty high. It's literally the only denim jacket I own. You still wear it? No. No. <laughs> Sorry. Have I mean, you ever worn it? Uh, yeah, I did wear it at a time. Did it get wear and tear? I suppose there's a little wear and tear. We got a little wear and But tear. I think it held up to it. I'm saying the quality's pretty good, I think. So you denim. wore it enough it that you think grade. it would have an impact on the quality. I, I don't think it's like ripped or anything, but I, I mean, it's I think all, you can tell. It's non-mint. Yeah, it's yeah. non-mint condition. Like the mm. elastic and maybe the, the wrists might be like a little, but also it's like, you know, 20-year-old jacket, so. Elastic goes. Is there any PVC coating in that? No, no PVC coating. I'm PVC coated. <laughs> really? Where it counts. <laughs> Where is that exactly? My penis. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what the P stands for. <laughs> penis. <laughs> Built for tough. Yep. Something Wicked. That's right. Highlander. So this week we're talking about season four, episode 13, Something Wicked. This episode first aired February 12th, 1996. This episode was directed by Dennis Berry. We Last back. Uh, last time we saw him, he directed The Colonel, Reunion, and <laughs> The Innocent. Two of those are good. Yeah. The Colonel and... <laughs> and the Colonel again. Yeah. <laughs> Arachnatorium. Uh, There's no spiders in this one. Nope. Sadly, they're implied. <laughs> they're so wicked. The worst kind of spider. The implied spider. Yep. 
This episode was written by the late David Tynan. Um, the last we saw of him was in The Wrath of Kali, Double Eagle, and Homeland. 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 This episode guest stars Byron Chief Moon as Jim Coltec. This guy has been in a bunch of stuff. And I don't know if this is a sad thing. He always kind of plays the typical like Native yeah. American character. Yeah. That's not surprising. X-Men For- Origins, Wolverine. That's right. Twilight. Saga Eclipse. Also, Mr. Byron Chief Moon, I noticed he was recently in a show called Health Nuts, spelled with a Z. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Health uh, Nuts. So I looked it up on IMDb, and this is the IMDb description for Health Nuts, which, of which he is a star. How's, how's this right to D's Nuts? D's Nuts. Wacky humor, yoga, and recovery shake it up in a new spirited comedy comedy about a washed-up hockey player who inherits a juice bar on one condition. He has to get and stay sober. Health nuts. Is Byron Chief Moon the hockey player? Who's no, he he's, he's a supporting cast member. Wacky neighbor. Maybe. He's the Kramer of this outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Explains about the number of times he said the N-word. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, a, what an insane <laughs> idea for a show. What? That! You've never been gifted a juice bar on the condition of your sobriety? The prize doesn't seem that big. No. That's the thing I don't understand. I need this juice bar. Right. Is it a $10 million business? What is it? Yeah. Like, it's not a whole gym. It's just the juice. (laughs) Just the juice. Just the juice. That's also the name of the gym. Just the juice. Just the juice. And this episode also guest stars Benjamin Ratner as Bryce Corland. Corland, K-name. How about that? Hey. Are we ready for the episode IMDb description? Is Bryce Corland in anything else? Is he just a well-known beat poet? I didn't write anything else down for him. I looked. Nothing that was interesting. Yeah, there we go. He's in a lot of stuff. All right. Here's the IMDb description. Duncan's immortal friend, Jim Coltec, a Native American medicine man who has the ability to absorb other people's evil and pain into his own body, is taking a trip to visit Duncan. On the way, he is forced to behead an evil immortal, taking in all his evil in the process. Afterward, Coltec appears to become evil himself, and Duncan believes that he is the victim of a dark quickening, and that all of the evil he has absorbed over the years has finally taken over. In flashback, Coltec helps Duncan overcome his rage after the Sioux tribe he was living with is slaughtered. That wasn't the worst no, that description. Was it. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, guys. No. So on this YouTube, the immortal Coltec becomes mysteriously evil. McLeod must find a way to save Coltec without being drawn into the evil himself. Is he being evil mysteriously? <laughs> or is it the becoming that's mysterious? I don't know. Becomes mysteriously evil. It's like dangerously cheesy. What's that? <laughs> is that a cheese it? It's a Cheeto. Cheeto? He's a Coltec of Cheetar. Cheetara? Thundercats. Ho! <laughs> Even back then, hoes can't be true. Very that was good. A call back to an old washer tube comment. So, how's this episode open up, Kyle? So, Matt gets a phone call from Coltec. And they're, like, howling around, and then we get, like, a freeze frame, and then, like, typing sounds as we get Coltec, 12th century. Yeah. Some other biographical information, Yeah, I'm James sure. Coltec, a.k.a. Coltec, spelled with a K. <laughs> oh, he's so cool yeah. and edgy. So this is a weird stylistic choice right out of the gate. That's continued through the episodes into flashbacks, even. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a strange thing that the show does, and it's, like, for no reason. I does like, this ever come back? I this don't remember. Makes sense in like the episodes where Duncan's a spy. 
Yeah. It would, like, fit that kind of theme. Or it would fit just, to, like, if it actually gave us information that was relevant. Like, it just says their name and how old they are, which is, like, not that important, I suppose. Like, I'm not gaining any new information. And this is not, inf- like, this information could be garnered in many other ways. Also, it's just, they, they always say it. Yeah. It's like how you get their names. I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah, it is weird. Trying something new. So anyway, he's on his way to visit Duncan. And Max's like, oh, like, are you in town? And Coltec's like, man, if I was in town, I'd already be, like, on your couch, like, watching, watching TV. Golf. Yeah. Yeah. Watching golf. Watching golf. It's like, what? Like, what the fuck is your relationship, guys? <laughs> also, like, you haven't seen this guy for a long time. You're like, yo, let me see where your TV at. Yeah. <laughs> like, we watch this golf. PGA. You yeah, know Indians awful. don't get lost. Oh, he's yeah. Right? All this. More, yeah. The return of that idea from Bless the Child. And we wonder why he gets shoehorned into these roles. Yeah. Well, I wonder, <laughs> it's like... Beca- it's because of this. Yeah. This, like, absurd treatment of his heritage. I wonder if he's, like, pissed that he has to say these lines, or if that's just reality, or if he doesn't care. I don't know. Well, I feel like he's saying it as a joke. Right. But, I don't know. But it's a yeah. joke, like, based on a stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. Short answer is, I don't know, but I'm yeah. sure he's glad to get that money. Yeah, sure. They're going to meet. Right. And he is just driving along and stops by a motorcycle. He's getting some takeout. Yeah. It's an odd... Oh. Even, even the idea of like them meeting, I was like, what an odd setup to this episode. Like, have the two main characters call each other and be like, hey, would you like to meet? I would love to meet. Like, that's how... Like, that's the device this episode gets two characters together. Like, I feel like you don't need this phone conversation. I, I don't know. It's very strange. Like, it just begins, oh, I'm going to meet my friend Coltec. There you go. Like... <laughs> or he sees the clip and he's like, on the news, he's like, wait, that's Jim Coltec. He wouldn't do that. Right. The whole thing's... Odd. It's a strange, like, very forced setup. Coltec sees this motorcycle, and he it's at the Happy Chinese Restaurant, mm-hmm. which I did a lot of sleuthing on. Does not exist anymore. Aww. The building has been torn down. That's Whoa. upsetting. I know. I wanted to check out their menu. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you have some reason to think it was going to be really good? No. I just was like, I don't <laughs> no. know. It's just Chinese food. And I was like, mm, Chinese food. Yeah, mm. And I just wanted to look at pictures of Chinese food on Yelp. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, oh, give me, I want some of that Szechuan food. Mm. So he touches this motorcycle, which is like, basically, There's it's like the Optimus Prime motorcycle. Does anyone notice? It's like yeah. Optimus Prime colors. Mm-hmm. Meaning what? It's Legendarily red. blue and red. Red? Yeah. Okay. Like the color of it. I was like, oh, if Optimus Prime was a motorcycle, this would be the motorcycle. Oh, cool. Yeah. God damn it. All right. <laughs> so he touches it, and I'm he gets like a vision, and he sees like what's going on inside the store where this, like the store owner is getting like harassed or beaten up or whatever it is, so. Yeah. Because he has this power. Do you think he has a lot of boundary issues? Like he's always touching people's shit because like obtain visions. I want them visions. Coltec goes in and he com- comes across this other immortal Kant. And he's like, you can't do that. And yeah. he's beat up on this guy. This guy really lays it out. He's like, it's none of your affair, Tonto. And I'm like, God uh, damn it. Yeah. But then he like lays down a bunch of stuff about metaphysics to try to like redeem himself. It's good. Emmanuel Kant. Hey, also, like, I like how this guy's like a rough, tough street guy robbing somebody and like you try to stop the robbery and like his choice of languages it's none of your affair like what <laughs> excuse me these are 17 something right yeah 1748 in prussia so english is his second language man yeah so, so his face glows for some reason he like puts his hands out he glows white and then the baddie follows him out. Unclear why that is. This is like a power. He does guys. magic powers, yeah. Because yeah. he's done this apparently in the past to horses. But like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so he like raises his hands and can't, can't 
finish killing Kant this guy. Cock Kant. And he follows him outside where they fight, and Kant loses. And so then we like kind of don't know who loses, but then what do we see but Coltec, and now he's wearing this guy's biker jacket. That's right. Yeah. The shopkeeper's like, oh, man, thanks. He was going to kill me. Then something's a little off about Coltec. Mm -hmm. He, like, rips him off. He, like, steals all the cash from the register, which is, like, I guess kind of interesting. It was, like, a somewhat subtle way of showing what just happened. Right. Yeah. And he's, like, kind of, like, moving more slinkily yeah or he whatever. walks differently yeah, yeah. I thought more it was interesting. coolly more coolly yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely it's a real cool cat yeah because evil guys are cool as we find out in this episode that's right motorcycles beat poetry <laughs> all the cool stuff that the chicks are into man <laughs> i like that the quickening destroyed a bunch of stuff in the store that was kind of cool a few they jars of... right outside also wow they got to work fast yeah well, it just blew up a couple jars of beans. Right. It's more beans blowing up. Like Maybe that's shadows. why the building doesn't exist anymore. More beans blowing up. Yeah, the cooking destroyed. Too many beans. So that's our cold open. So we now know something's up with Coltec. He also shoots the guy. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For yeah, no apparent reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's up with that? Cold open. Cold open. All right. So now Mac and Richard H. Ryan are going to meet up with Right. This, this looked like this a similar park to where Mac fought Michael Christian. I thought when they were walking up to it, I was like, oh, is this where Mac fought him? Didn't they kind of fight on like a dam? They did. I thought the dam was maybe just out of view here when they walk up. I could be completely wrong. It's possible. Possible. Yeah. Anyway, so they're walking through this park, and Mac is giving Richie like the lowdown on who Coltec is. And there's more of this. Richie's like, wow, so he's like a real medicine man. Yeah. And I'm just like, "Mm." Mac says he's a, quote, Hayoka. Hayoka. Yeah. Did anyone look up Hayoka? I did. Me too. Look at us go. It doesn't quite match let's not, up. Let's not discuss it and move on. Yeah. You can do it. You at home yeah. can do it yourself. Look uh, it up yourself. Educate yourself, for God's sake. So what is sake. the definition of a Hayoka? Do you want to go, Eamon? Well, according to the TV show, it's somebody that like takes this evil energy upon themselves to right. help people cleanse themselves, I guess. Well, like takes on evil before it can like infect the tribe. But the online definition I got is more of like it's a, a sacred clown mm-hmm. excuse me sacred clown did he stutter kyle <laughs> you heard it sacred clown <laughs> sacred clown in the culture of the lakota people of the great plains of north america the hayoka is a contrarian a jester and a satirist who speaks moves and reacts in an opposite fashion to the people around them only those having visions of the thunder beings of the west the wakinvin i can't pronounce that and who are recognized as such by the community can take on the ceremonial role of the Hayoka. You're literally a sacred clown? That's something about that I find really funny. It's part yeah. of the... Uh, I'm trying to be culturally sensitive here, but holy shit. The uh, ISCP. Insane sacred clown posse. Yeah. <laughs> the family. Well, I think there's some other stuff which I think is interesting. Like It says the Hayoka is thought of as being backwards, forwards, upside down, or contrary in nature, which I think is interesting that mm-hmm. like there's this like weird duality. Eamon, you mentioned in the definition that, uh, that they are thunder or communicate with the thunder beings, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting, like Highlander fodder. Only those who have had visions of the thunder beings of the West can act as Hayokas. They have a sacred power, and they can share some of this with all the people, but they do it through funny actions. When a vision comes from the thunder beings of the West, it comes with terror, like a thunderstorm. Uh, but when the storm of vision is passed, the world is greener and happier. So anyway, I don't know. I think there's like some interesting like thunder, lightning imagery associated with them. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I wonder why they chose that as their 
term for this. On the special features, Gillian Horvath actually went to a writing workshop, and it was a writing workshop about how to write Native Americans into television in a better way. <laughs> like, in a way that is not, like, the real token, you know, really stereotypical character. In this workshop, the Hayoka was mentioned. Wow, she's like, that seems like it would fit perfectly into Highlander, and then took that back with her. Wait, which Hayoka myth? Just the, in general, the mythology around Hayoka, about, like, someone that is a sacred clown? Yeah. And <laughs> so reveals, no, and reveals, like, Coltic isn't funny. Well, he's a little funny. He's a, li- a very little funny. <laughs> <laughs> also, we, we didn't get into all of the definition of it, so... The Hyoka symbolizes and portrays many aspects of the sacred beings. Um, his satire presents important questions by fooling around. They ask difficult questions and say things others are too afraid to say. By reading between the lines, the audience is able to think about things not usually thought about or look at things in a different way. Principally, the Hyoka functions both as a mirror and a teacher, using extreme behaviors to mirror others and forcing them to examine their own doubts, fears, hatreds, and weaknesses. And then Hyokas have the power to heal emotional pain. So that's where this there comes we go. from. Okay. Um, such power comes from the experience of shame. They sing of shameful events in their lives, beg for food, and live as clowns. They provoke laughter in distressing situations of despair and provoke fear and chaos when people feel complacent and overly secure to keep them from taking themselves too seriously or believing they are more powerful than they are. And then this goes on to talk about how clowns are an important role in tribal codes, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think they've obviously like taken elements of this and reworked it for a Highlander story. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's maybe a one-to-one thing, right. but I think it's an, a really cool... Like, I can absolutely see how she heard this story and thought, like, wow, what an interesting character to put on the show. The thing about healing emotional pain is very on point. I think also about, like, being a mirror and a teacher, like, to use extreme, like, because that's what we see happens to Duncan. Like, there's something in Duncan that is, like, very dark. And we'll talk about that more as this episode goes on and in the following episode. But, like, Duncan learns how to grapple, I think, with the darkness or whatever within. So, Coltec is like a spiritual scud missile, right, Eamon? That's right. Yeah, according to Richie. He's not quite skeptical. He's more surprised that Mac seems to believe in Coltec. He's right. like, Mac, you don't seem to believe in a lot of this stuff. You're a more nuts and bolts kind of guy. Do you really think he's got magic powers? Yeah, which is interesting because Mac's usually, it's usually the opposite. Like, Richie's the one who's always, like, jumping on board the, yeah. the magic bus. Which I think he kind of is still on board the magic bus. I think he's more just surprised by Mac's stance on the whole thing. Right. You know, because he's like, you know, I see us and I'm like, what else could be out there? Werewolves. Werewolves. Well, the show actually, I think, does an interesting, like, the show sets up its own framework to expand on the magical realism of Highlander. It's like, we're here, maybe there's other stuff, what do you think about that? Like, the show's never said that before, even though it's dabbled, like, the Methuselah Stone crystals were, like, the first thing that was kind of, I can't remember if they explicitly say, like, well, maybe they could be real, we're real, in that episode. But they in this episode, they're explicitly like stating that, like, there's we're magic, so there's maybe other magic. Right. And we know shadows. There is other magic. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> He's got magic. Yeah, that's, that's magic. right. He does have magic. Magic powers. So or- Mac goes, Mac, we find out what he believes a little. Mac says, I believe there are some things that defy any logical explanation. Yes, I also believe there is a power in faith and will. I was like, huh, <laughs> what, huh, what? <laughs> Maybe he's a Green Lantern. Yeah, Green Lantern's light. But he also says that Coltec. Why has he got to be green? Why has he got to be green? After his tribe died, Coltec became 
Hayoka for the entire world. Right. Which sounds kind of intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool idea. I like this whole... You're doing a bad job, though, Coltec. Where were you during World War II? Where was he? Was he a code talker? He was a code talker. A code Hayoka. So then Mac and Richie have like some little play around time on the bridge. Like Mac's going to throw him over. And then Richie's like, oh, we had stuff like this all all over the east side. I was like, like what? Like heights? Is that what you're talking about? I assume not bridges over a beautiful landscape. But this bit wasn't scripted where McLeod tries to dump Richie over the side. That was an improv. Just two two guys that are having a good time. (laughs) Richie's really layered up here. I'm loving it. He's got like yeah, a burgundy button bizarre. up and then a denim button up over that. And, and then an he's got a jacket. Yeah, oh, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. So we get the buzz. And who shows up? Jim Coltec. Just in his Levier jacket. <laughs> the best of Highlander Levier jacket. And he, <laughs> Richie comes like, hey, you must be Jim Coltec. I'm one of Max's friends. And he's like, is that so? And he just clocks him. <laughs> yeah. Like just wrecks Richie. Right in the face. Yeah, so he then goes after Richie hardcore, and Max steps in with his sword. Yeah, and he, he goes to chop Richie's head off, and Mac blocks him. Yep. Uh, so then they kind of tussle around for a bit, and Mac throws the dummy over yeah. the bridge, <laughs> yes, which is great. More the dummy, dummy fall throws. actually looks okay. This is the best-looking yeah. dummy fall I think the show has yeah. ever had. Yeah. Which is good. almost too bad. Like, I wish it looked shitty, because yeah. I love, love it when they're it. bad. Yeah. yeah. Just flopping down. Oh, he had too much to drink <laughs> and fell. So Mac and Richie proceed down to the river where Coltec crashed <laughs> is a cultic crash someone throws you off a bridge i don't know cultic crash it's a human crash they had a human crash off the bridge and so richie's like are you sure that was even like him or whatever and mac finds his like medicine pouch mm-hmm. i guess in the river it was him. Like, it was him so we get a flashback 1863 1872 <laughs> whoops <laughs> we get uh, basically a recap of line of fire Right, and Mac's narrating now. We get some new narration over all of this to recap it about how Mac lived with the Sioux, blah, blah, blah. Kahani. Little deer. Death. They die. They die. Kern. So after the recap at the Sioux Indian camp, we get into some new flashback territory. And so Duncan has been tracking Kern, the villainous Kern from Line of Fire, for weeks. And Eamon, how would you describe Duncan's overall appearance during this? Uh, he looks like a hairball a cat threw up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, he looks like dog shit. Yeah. That the dog ate and then threw up again. It's like a spanked ass on, like, in space. Yeah, he's been roughing it. Roughing. He's been roughing it. Rough Riders. Darkness 69, roughing it. Roughing it. So he comes across this camp, and here's the soldiers talking about, like, oh, they're doing a good job clearing the Indians out or whatever. And they mention Kern, like, oh, there's that scout that, that really... Tracker. The tracker. So anyway, then Mac goes fucking Batman Begins on everybody. And he's just like, yeah. I'm going to take them all out. Like, yeah. Fighting <laughs> a bunch of soldiers in their camp. Yep. It's Protection. Insane. Protection from who? Protection for them. <laughs> Very good. And they're all, like, rolling around on the ground, like... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Mac uh, holds his own for a while here. He like kicks the shit. I'm surprised no one just shot him. But yeah, he's very lucky. Yeah. Um, so they then put Mac in the brig, and so they take him in, screaming and crying. And and Mac is going ape shit during this. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Mac has really lost it because of that. Like his loss of his family here. Didn't Mac go there to find peace and to withdraw from all the, yeah. the shit of the mortal world? That Which really he kind of talked. Yeah, it really did not yeah. turn out that, that didn't way. didn't go exactly as planned. Nope. So he, also, we missed one good bit of Indian racism, which was Richie, after getting decked in the face when Mac defends Coltec, he says, Mac, he tried 
to scalp you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Which I was like, <laughs> Ooh. Uh, So he gets put thrown in the brig, and Mac gets the buzz. And who else is in the brig but Colt Colt Jimmy Colts. J.J. Colt. J.J. Colts. And Mac's like, I'll kill them all. Yeah. I'll come back for you. Mac says, like, hi to Coltec, like, in Sue, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of, I think that's kind of cool. Like, Mac is, like, showing his cards. He's, He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm one of you. Like, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, he's like, oh, I'm Coltec. And Mac points out, like, that's not a Sue name, which I think is kind of cool. It's like, oh, this is a much older, like, it's an ancient name or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. He's proto-Sue. That's right. He's the Prometheus of Sue. <laughs> And Max like, oh, I'm from the Clan McLeod, and I like Coltec's like, oh, it's a European tribe. I like the yeah. the idea that that's like a tribe as well, which because I mean, it's straight. It up. is. It's exactly. straight up is. Yeah, Mac hates white people right now, mm-hmm. as he rightfully should. Yeah, Mommy. where was this version of Mac when he was off subjugating Indians? Yeah, right. Yeah, which right. I mean, in India, Mac, agent of colonialism, until he decides he wants to be in love with a victim of colonialism. Yep, that's right. Coltec describes how he's in there because he did his hand trick. To a guy on a horse. That's right. So, yeah. So, yeah. He made the horse's rear back. Mm-hmm. And Max like, oh, they can't, like, put you in prison for that. Like, you didn't do anything. And then Coltec's implying, like, well, what maybe if I did? I like, did. maybe I actually yeah. did do that. Let's assume he does have the ability to rear these horses. What do these soldiers think that this guy can do that he can magically make their horses rear? So then they must believe that, like, Indians are magical as well. Is that what's going on? I think so. So even though he did it, the only reason they're pursuing him for it is because of racism. Yeah, I guess. Wild. Wild. Wild stuff. stuff. (laughs) So I think Coltec lays down some pretty good philosophy here. He's like, hey, like, your hate is not destroying him, meaning Kern. He's like, it's destroying you. And I was like, ah, that's a good way to think about it. Like, when you're jealous or, you know, whatever you you feel towards another person, it's like, it doesn't do anything to that person. It only affects you. So, good stuff. And he tells Mac about his role as the Hayoka. Right. And so Mac's got all this pain, and Coltec is like, I can take your pain away. And then I was like, you are goddamn Psylocke. And I was like, this entire episode is Star Trek V. Yeah. I need my pain. I, uh, oh, by the way, after this, I ended up watching a bunch of Star Trek V. If you've never seen Star Trek V... Underrated. Star Trek V might be my favorite Star Trek. I love it. People people really hate that movie. That's like a... What's well, it called? Is, is that one. The Undiscovered Country? That's six. That is six. Uh, what's five? It's actually The Final Frontier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. All right, Which, so... But it isn't. Guys, we're going to do a quick game. What is its percentage score? Percentage fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. We're not doing prices right rules. I'll say 34%. 60. 22%. Damn. That movie's not that's that bad. That's your favorite? It might be. Damn. I like I it. love the themes of I mean like that is the fucking movie that opens with like why is Captain Kirk climbing a mountain? Because it's there. Like that line alone mm. is fantastic. If you've never seen it, I think it's really great, but one of the premises of the movie is that Spock's half-brother Psylocke is looking for God which is a compelling plot on its own. In the but center of the universe. Yeah, but yeah. he's able to take away people's pain. And one, I was kind of curious, is any of this Highlander episode influenced from that? Or are they both even drawing from some similar source material about a spiritual person that can take away your pain? I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, but it's really interesting. And, well, we can talk about this maybe more later, but, like, characters argue, like, well, I need my pain. Like, this is literally what makes me me i don't want to give up those you know like i know i've made mistakes and this and that but like i have to live with that and that's what being human is right anyway but then mac takes mushrooms <laughs> very really takes. V- very powerful instantly acting mushroom i wish they would say what these things were that he took 
He just hands him some things. He doesn't say <laughs> what they are. I was like, what is this stuff? But it's some trippy shit. It's some like, trippy he shit. He gives him some peyote, and then he like goes on a vision quest that opens with a toilet. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. It's like, yeah, he's <laughs> around around the swirling toilet. water. It's he like starts tripping balls. Right? Yeah. And Max's like, oh, is this real? It's a dream. It's and the then I credits. also was like, this dream thing is also very Star Trek V. There's a lot of row, row, row your boat in that movie. What? Oh, life is but a dream. Oh, life is but uh, a well, it's in there. Anyway. Sorry. So that was subtle. <laughs> Guys, let's just keep talking about Star Trek V. This is Star Trek V Rewatched. It hasn't actually been rewatched lately, nope. so all of our memories are going to be pretty fuzzy. That being said, this line that Coltic delivers made me so irritating. It's like, this is a real. It's like, this place is real. Maybe we are a dream. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, Argh. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> so um, he's like transported into this weird grassy knoll, right? With yes. like a pool and, and a some book depository. Yeah. <laughs> and so Coltec explains like what he does. He's like, you know, your cup can only handle so much like pain and anguish and hate and all this stuff. And he's like, let me take it from you. My cup has no bottom. Like, like I can handle yeah. it all. And he pulls out a cup that's full of water, and he adds more, and it like spills over so he's illustrating it to mac and mac's like okay take it he's like yeah babe take it and then he puts his hand on his face just like in star trek 5 and takes away his pain uh and then there's like some weird series of cross dissolves with him like kind of dancing in the back yeah that's right yeah (laughs) and he's in full like ceremonial garb and doing some dances it works it works so we now cut back to the present in the loft above the dojo they have the news on. Well, Mac doesn't believe it could be Coltec. Right. He's a holy man, blah, blah, blah. But then there's TV news footage That's of right. the murdery. Murdery? The murdery. That's me combining murder and robbery. <laughs> I like because that. Murdery. The murdery. Uh, and it has a zoom in shot <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of Coltec's face. Yep. Which is the shot. Like at shoulder level. They had shot that. Like I mean, it's footage that we saw earlier right, like right. From, from the television show. Yeah, <laughs> that they've now somehow adopted as security cam footage. It's like, where is the security camera on his shoulder? <laughs> yeah, there's actually a hired security camera operator. operator right? <laughs> yeah. It's got a steady cam. Who, much like the Watchers, can't interfere. He asked him to shoot him again, <laughs> yeah. so he could get him with the push cam. Yeah. yeah. No, no, wait, do it again. <laughs> Prop up his corpse. I, I like the little uh, line dropped here about like, oh, like most of the tape was erased due to electrical damage. I thought that uh, was a yeah. uh, nice little tidbit dropped in there. So anyway, then we go to Joe's bar later that night. Joe and Mac and Richie are kind of hashing out this whole Coltec situation, as it were. Coltec is as close as a mortal can be to be being a saint. Uh, what about Darius? And it's been years and years since Coltec has taken a head. Right. But there's a theory about why that is later. That's true. Which I find. And so this was the clip at the top of the episode about like they finally explained like what is a dark quickening. And the idea is that if you have too much evil, it will like consume you. We've been getting a lot of comments about these dark quickenings on our social media. So I'm glad it finally comes to a point where we can talk about it. That's right. And also, it's interesting you just brought up Darius, because that's something hinted when we first meet him or learn about Darius, is that he was like a warlord or whatever. Like, he was awful. He was a bad. And perhaps had a light quickening. Is that a thing? Because that's when Richie asked. He's like, well, what about the other way? Like, Mac mentions Darius having, like, this change of heart. And then Richie goes like, well, what if you had too much evil? And Mac's like, I don't know. And so that's the first time you ever hear about something like this. Yeah, good stuff. So this. What do you know about a dark quickening? What do you know about a dog quickening? Sorry, I started his yeah, transition. What do you know <laughs> about a dog quickening? 
The way he says dark quicken, he's like, what do you know about dark quicken? Jesus. <laughs> I was like, what? Dequeeting. Dequeeting? Dequeeting. <laughs> so now we get the greatest flashback of all time. The greatest flashback of all uh, time. This might be one of the best two minutes of Highlander <laughs> I've ever seen. This is insane. <laughs> so we flashback to Greenwich this, Village, 1958. This is the tits. So we get Nightman playing a <laughs> saxophone <laughs> riff. Yep. And so do we want to listen to this beat, yes. poems? Yeah. Okay. Everyone at home deserves to hear this right now. I give you the hardest working man in show business. I give you death. Now, why do most murders happen at 3 a.m.? It's the same reason fires happen then. Because the night time is the right time. It's the time death digs the most. Oh, yeah, children. Death digs the dark. Now, that's why he digs New York. Because New York has a lot of dark alleyways and subways. Best of all, victims. Out there, truth. Truth? Dig this. The killer woke way before dawn. He put his shades on. He was hungry for the next victim to feed on. This baby murders a four-course meal. The hunt. The fear. The kill. And for dessert. without fire death without pyromania cats i'm telling you it's just not worth living not if you have to listen to this life is hard to give up you dig you cling you sing you want to live forever but hey baby nothing's perfect except death dig it man it's bryce corlin you're my lucky night death never takes a holiday you dig because death digs his job death's a stone professional baby death has got tenure in this town you don't believe me? Just ask that man there. Maybe I'm paranoid. But I think that cat has come here to kill me. Hey, baby, that's cool with death. Because we all know there can be only one. Show's over. Hey, man. Be cool, bro. You dig? Okay. Wow. Yes. Be cool, bro. Be cool, bro. Right. Be cool, bro. So Mac looks like the Fonz. <laughs> Everything about this is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Also, I just want to point out, because I didn't quite notice how funny this was before, that thing at the end where Mac kind of gets challenged by a guy next to him. He's like, be cool, bro. After he says, be cool, bro, the camera just kind of subtly turns so you can see the guy who threatened him. And then it comes back. <laughs> and it's so goofy. It's the best. Who are these, like, beatnik thugs? <laughs> I don't know. They're just Bryce Corwin boosters. Yeah. Bryce's boosters. This is so weird. <laughs> so Bryce Corwin playing the saxophone and be like, I'm here to talk about death. What's death without pyromania? It's not worth living? What, <laughs> what does that sentence mean? So I guess it's like it's all implied that like the, the murders, like the death he's talking about is all stuff he's done. Like oh, he's, yeah. It's, it's he's all poetry about 
his own like his what, own mood. Yeah. Why is the audience into this? They're yeah. like far out, man. Well, then the thing that's really crazy is. Well, it's like dark shit anyway. And then Mac comes in and he's like, I think that guy's here to kill me. And Mac's pretty much like, yup. And then they just casually pulls his sword out. (laughs) They leave. They're snapping. It's like, what? And like, then no one bothers to be like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, nobody gives a shit that, like, it seems like an assassin just came to the, the fucking club. I just wonder what got him on Bryce Corwin's trail to begin with. Like, what put Bryce Corwin. On his radar. Maybe he just really hates bad poetry. <laughs> yeah, he's like, who is this man assaulting my ears? Death's got tenure in this town. He digs his job. <laughs> so they go it's outside. Ridiculous. Well, he like... To cling and sing and... Cortland like runs out. Right. And then Mac follows. And then there's a quickening. Yeah, which like blows off the door, which I yeah. thought was cool. Like they was cool. They did some good like quickening, destroying like the environments in this episode, uh, yeah. like off camera, which is fun. But it turns out Coltec got there first. He ate that four course meal yeah. of death all by his yeah. lonesome. And he's like kind of crouched down when Matt comes out and then reveals himself. He's it's acting a little weird. Coltec, I think. yeah, Coltec. he's just like yeah. blows him off. He's like, I gotta run. Like, yeah, is the dark quickening already starting to kind of? have an effect on him well is this where coltex says that he needs to like get away like he's like i need some like wide open spaces and tom toms or doesn't he say something like that yeah Yeah. so i think the implication is that he like knows that like i don't think i can deal with this anymore yeah because also i think that's part like he just stumbled across kant at the beginning of the episode i don't think he wants to take any more heads because i think he knows he's like at a limit right take it to the limit but then he kills him anyway well i don't think he has a choice yeah. To kill Kant? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think he's, his hand is kind of forced there. Is this the first time in this episode during this Bryce Corwin scene where we get the first Dutch angles? They're more Oh, that's later. right. Yeah, there are I more. Think this is where the, yeah. they start. And he does actually glow here, too. I have that note. So yeah. how do we feel about, like, the glowing uh, I'm not effect? sure what it means. I think it's just, like, a... Like, I think it's the evil. Yeah, I think it's just, like, an evil... Like, I kind of don't mind it. Like, of all the cheesy sort of effects, I'm like, well, it's a good signifier to show that, like, the person has been taken over by the evil thing. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But maybe you can tell that regardless, just by I mean, the way I they act. Need, I did not need any help telling them. the guy saying, death without pyromania is not worth living, is a bad guy. <laughs> I didn't need help with that. <laughs> he had to talk to you about death. Also, he plays the saxophone, so... Yeah. <laughs> Back in the present, we're back at Joe's, and Joe's getting reports that he saw, like, a watcher, I guess, was on the the trail, and he thought he saw Kant after the murder, but it turns out it wasn't Kant. It was Coltec wearing his jacket. So now people are getting suspicious, like, what this is. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. (laughs) They talk about Kant a little bit. And if you look up scumbag in the dictionary, there's a picture of him. And it's, like, intercut. I actually did that. I didn't see a picture of him. Oh, What kind of dictionary? Uh, Webster's. Okay. Like, what kind of dictionary? Like, like there would be something funny I could say after your answer. There wasn't. (laughs) An English dictionary. You could have said, like, oh, if you did Oxford, you would have found it. Right. I really like the way this is all edited together. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah. They talk about who Khan is. Joe starts doing a voiceover Mm. while we're seeing... Coltec Khan. Coltec Khan, like, doing real Conti things. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just being shitty to people in general. But then, like, that scene just morphs into Mac 
confronting him. And it's like this really cool elision of these two scenes that seems like it first just starts out as like a montage. Like, I'm going to describe this shitty character and we're going to see him do shitty things. But it ends up becoming the scene you follow, which is cool. So Coltec has harassed a woman and then murdered a man and is robbing him mm-hmm. when Matt comes across him in an alleyway and they confront each other. They start having a little fight. It's very quick. Yeah. But it's interesting. And very dark. It's hard to follow yeah. with how dark it is. I like the music that plays mm-hmm. during this scene. There's like an interesting green light reflecting off of Matt's sword I thought was kind of cool. Oh, I didn't notice that. In that is scene. interesting. Yeah, it was uh, nice. Because that's important maybe later. Yeah. The green light. The green light of goodness. Green oh, for goodness. In uh, Deliverance. That's right. Oh. Because the pool is green, there's All like right. lots of green sparkling later. Yeah, okay. Green I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. You dig? I dig. <laughs> What's death without green sparkling goodness? I tell you, it ain't worth living. So we cut to the woods, and Mac is trying to get through to Coltec, and Coltec's like, "You're done. It's not gonna work." I'm just one big lake of badness. Big lake of badness. End quote. What is that? BLB. 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 Big lake of badness. That's just my favorite sandwich. The BLB. The BLB. But Mac is going to try to out Coltec Coltec. Right. When Mac goes to put his hands on his face, I was like, I don't remember this. If it comes anywhere close to working, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> He's like, how do you know how to do Yeah, this? like Mac somehow oh, knows you, how to, like yeah. he was trained by Coltec. Like, Where's your peyote too? Yeah. <laughs> That's why it didn't work. He didn't have any uh, stuff. So Mac puts the medicine bag around Coltec's neck and tries to do it. Right. But Coltec has like a rock or something and cuts his bonds free. And he's able to like run away. There's yeah. some interesting dialogue here that we should maybe talk about. I think was good. Like Mac is like the cup overflowed. That was Kant. You became what you fought. And Coltec says, as we all will become. And this is that very like that the philosophical idea, like the dark knight, like you become the villain or whatever. So you it's Nietzsche. You live long enough to become the villain. Right. The Nietzsche quote is, he who fights with monsters might take care lest he thereby become a monster. Ho, ho, dear readers. Or when you gaze into the abyss. The, the abyss, abyss gazes back at you. Right. So this is a very interesting philosophical idea based on what defines here as points in time and blah, 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 blah. At least according to Coltec, is an inevitability of the hero. Yeah. That, and that might be McLeod's fate as well. So meanwhile, Richie and Matt, Richie and Joe are having what I think is a very funny interaction back at the bar. Joe's describing why he he thinks the dark quickening is bullshit. Right. He's like, it's like water on Mars. Richie was like, well, can you find him? You're his watcher. Right. You got to figure it out. Can't you figure it out? And what's Joe's response? (laughs) 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 So I have a theory. Key theory. Is Joe an alcoholic? Yes. I so mean, he sure is drinking he seems, a lot. He seems, so he's he's an absolute shit watcher. Like he's all he's constantly drinking. Like every time Matt comes, like anytime there's a problem, he pulls out the bottle. Like he's like Richie, have another shot. And Richie's even like Richie's like 25 years old. Richie should be all about another yeah. shot. And Richie's like, no, I'm good, man. Like we should probably slow down. And Joe's like, whatever. And he keeps slamming him back. Anyway, every time there's a problem, Joe makes up some fucking excuse for why he hasn't watched. He doesn't want to do his job. Maybe Joe's an alcoholic. And also it explains why he's got the blues. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was a pretty decent pitch on that. It's a key theory. It's a key. It's a good key theory. This is in the upper 10th percentile of key theories. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's as factual as the reason they named Hugh Fitzcarran Hugh is because <laughs> yeah. he was the front man of the who, but who Hugh, I don't understand this. It's a wonderful life reference. Yeah. I don't understand it either. Yeah. Wait, 
Also, apparently what is the point Richie of it? hasn't seen It's a Wonderful Life. Well, that's not surprising. He hates foreign movies. He probably hates black and white movies. And old movies. Old movies. <laughs> My lip's bleeding. <laughs> My lip's bleeding, Bert. Yeah, wait. What is the point of that? He brings it up, and I didn't really understand it. Oh, I know why. He's an alcoholic, and he's completely incoherent. Yeah. <laughs> but he basically tells Richie not to jump to the conclusions. And then Mac enters. And he's like, I need to stop Coltec. He's evil now. And then Coltec blows up a pawn shop. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is this about? So we hear later from, like, the news or from, or just Joe give us the story later about what happened. Like, it was like a robbery, and then after the robbery happened. It's a murder robbery explosion. Explosion. Like, after it was all done, he was like, I'll blow up the place, well, too. Death, it's death without pyromania, baby. Exactly. Mac then links that to Cordlin, his modus operandi. Right. So he's like, oh, it's not just Kant. It's all of them. All the bad immortals yep. that Coltec absorb is now bubbling up luckily the only ones that actually bubble up are the ones we've seen in this episode that's right since he knows it's Corland, he knows to look for him at uh, ra- uh, a thriving beat club in beat club a thriving metropolis baby. but that's full of punks who love not, saxophone and not beat people yeah beat people beat <laughs> oh people. they do like to beat people no that's true and coltec is decked out in like sunglasses and a trench coat it's cool as hell man yeah. a saxophone you, you dig and people are not enjoying this no they hate his <laughs> yeah. fucking shtick yeah because it's like 1950 anymore <laughs> mac and coltec head on outside take care of business taking care of business and work it over time and joe decides to actually do something for he once and and he shows up gonna watch because yeah. he's like i gotta get a cool shot for next season's opening credits yeah. so let me oh, yeah yeah let me step in dramatically with my scarf corlin coltec contlin contlin tech corlin corteckland corteckland colon 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 yeah so colon informs him of something i didn't know do you know where real strength is Real strength is evil. <laughs> right. Real strength is evil. Who wrote that? <laughs> Who wrote that? No, I mean like, like there's some been some other like cheesy things in this that have worked really well. Like everything Bryce Corwin said during that beat poem. I am lapping it up. I want more. Real strength is evil. It's the dark side, man. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. All I can think yeah. of was in Spaceballs. Evil will always triumph over good because good is dumb. <laughs> it's like this line is less poetic than that. So they go at it. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think this is intentional that you can't tell who's who. That's really hard to follow. Yeah. They're both got like their long hair. hair they're both got like black jackets on. on. Yeah. I think that was intentional. Mac wins. Uh, and he says before he uh, beheads Coltec, he says, Asi Kuko, which is. Travel well, Jim. So let's talk about this quickening. This is a big old quickening. A lot of video effects, a lot of, a lot of sprinklers, a lot of all yeah. sorts of stuff. This is nuts. I assume, <laughs> that's what, I assume that's what Adrian Paul looks like when he jizzes. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's like a huge engulfment of flame behind him, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. He's in front of like, this looks like a parking structure under a... It's like under an overpass, overpass maybe. Yeah. Something. Yeah. But then like all these different... Faces are flashing in Mac's face, and I think they're all previous foes. He's I think we fought. get a little Nefertiri. I saw Nefertiri ah. in there. Yeah, nice as pebbles. <laughs> it's actually just her butt. It's just her yeah. butt. Just yeah, you can see that. That was flashing it's in, just in all Mac's various butt. Butts. Oh, it is flashing <laughs> in his butt. Do you think that's going to be a hint for what's going to happen in the next episode? That all these evil immortals he killed, much like Coltec, are going to rear their heads? It doesn't come back. 
Yeah, do, are we able to track like max specific actions? Nope. Could we ever tie them? I never. Worked I didn't think about it that worked way. Worked hard on it. Did you? And you couldn't figure it out? Nope. That's a bummer. Then it zooms into his mouth at one point, <laughs> and like, but it's you him examine all his cavities in his own mouth. And then it zooms out, and then there's just a big Coltec head in the background. Yeah, this has got a lot of video effects and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's real trippy. Okay, so pretty cool quickening. I like the water too. There's yeah. like a sprinkler going off. The water is cool. Steve Gagan said on the special features, like a big to do to do this one. Like they were a little worried. Like the flames apparently went 60 feet high wow. under this overpass. So yeah, people were a That's little worried intense. that this could cause problems. Yeah. Wowzers. So now we get one of my favorite scenes in this episode. We got back to Joe's and. Hey, Lou, how long has he been sitting there? Yeah. Well, so I like where, that Lou's, Lou's still working there, so yeah. reoccurring character. Where did Joe go, like, after this? Uh, I mean, I guess it takes him a while to yeah. walk back. <laughs> yeah. Wamparino. No, I, I kind of don't know. Yeah, especially the idea, like, how long has he been sitting there? It's like, didn't you come right back? Like, what? Yeah. how have you been tracking Mac? Right. Idiot. Anyway. <laughs> but Mac's, like, they're drinking. And he sees a lady who's enjoying a drink by herself. Lady. And he's like, hey, like, let's do some shots. And he gra- he just grabs a bottle of tequila from behind the bar. Yeah. Pours it. And so he's, like, up to no good anyway. Like, he's trying to get this woman liquored up so he can, you know, take advantage of her or whatever. Anyway, he takes it way too far and is a super gross, creepy guy. He, like, grabs her. He's like, I didn't say you could leave. And then she slaps him, and then she he, like, fucking punches her down he onto the ground. He punches her in the face. Yep. Yeah. This is intense. Yeah. So then and Joe and, like, there's maybe, a, or Lou maybe shows up. I don't know if there's a bouncer. There's and a big crowd. Somebody's think, got a baton. Yeah, Lou, <laughs> Lou grabs a, a bat. I thought it was a bat. Yeah. yeah. Mac then punches Joe in the face. Right, yep. And Joe's like, <laughs> Mac look, it's okay. Mac the handicap. Yeah, he's like, yeah. it's okay. He's like, he said too much to drink. Whatever. Yeah. All of this commotion goes on. Mac leaves. That's like the end of the scene. During all of this, nobody checks on the woman. Mac is bunched. And it's just like, you don't even see her get up. Like, he hit her so hard that she doesn't even get up. She's dead. She's dead. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that too. She's dead. Like, nobody nobody seems to even pay mind that someone is on the ground. That woman was like backhanded in the face so hard. That she flew into her own grave. And also, like, when she finally gets up, I would be like, to Joe, like, what the fuck? Like, you just yeah. let him go? Like, hey, he's just had too much to drink. Just let yeah. him go, guys. He's hit multiple people. It's only a woman. Oh, boy. She's not a regular. Don't worry. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. People are ready to tear Mac apart, too. Like, there's a guy with a baseball bat. Not that Mac's, like, here's yeah. a bat. Bat-Mac. Bat-Mac. Bat-Mac's about to get yeah. Bat-Mac. That's right. Cut to Richie in the Dejo doing some training. He's no, they're all leaving sweaty. Joe's. Oh, they're leaving Joe's. They're Gojo. <laughs> Gojo. Gojo. Go, 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 Joe. Gojo to the dojo. Go, so Richie's go, go, all Joe. sweaty doing some sword moves, which is cool. And Mac just shows up, and Richie's trying to be conciliatory about the whole thing. Like, ah, oh, I knew that was hard for you. How yeah. you holding up, my bud? Right. He goes, wrong number. <laughs> wrong number? What does that mean? Oh, you're sorry? Oh, hmm. Well, I guess, like... The person you think you're talking to isn't. I mean, I get the line. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not like you think you're talking to like good old Mac. It's like Mac's not home right now. This is like weird. This is crazy Mac. Mac. Yeah, new Mac. It's like new Coke. Doesn't last long. Oh, Mac. Oh, oh, Mac. (laughs) Oh, Mac. Oh, Mac. And the secrets of the hidden Coltec. There's a Legends of the Hidden Temple joke for the unwashed. Uh, so this is a, I think it's a cool fight. I I enjoy this. Like Max kind of toying with Richie. Like he's clearly way better than him, and it's he's like good. cutting yeah. him across the arm like and the leg. And he gives him a little kiss on the head. When That's he's cool. On his knees. Yeah, I'm into that. 
Apparently, uh, Adrian Paul improv that. There's a really great like little clip of Stan yeah. and Adrian talking about it. I'd rehearsed this sword fight a lot, and you were, of course, shooting every day, all day, so you didn't really get a lot of time I figured, I figured the thing would be would be flair. You know, it's the flair of McLeod in this. But we had never done this together until this morning. Was that, was that, uh, it was, that's right. And yeah. you, yeah, like you pointed out, you came in in character. Yeah. And you sort of gave me, a, are you ready to do this? Yeah. You know, and I realized... <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Adrian's already in character. You know. Do you remember that? When yes. I kissed you on the head. Yeah. That wasn't in it. No. I, yeah. It was just like when I was saying, "Yeah, I got you a little." And um, the whole morning we didn't speak. Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, we just kept to our own places. You stayed very much in your world, and we just came in and fought. And that was exciting and fun for me because we'd never had a fight like this. No. And no. at this point, I was starting to get the hang of it, and nobody who was coming on was that good. And this was when uh, when we lost my sword, remember? The sword kept breaking. That's right, yeah. The sword yeah. kept breaking, and you finally got fed up. You told him to roll the camera, and you looked right into the camera, and you said, you know, we got to get this guy a new f***ing sword. You know, this thing is ridiculous. You know, we can't fight like this. This is just like that. I probably like didn't. I right probably there. didn't uh, have that. Those expletives in there. Oh, you know, you had you uh, expletive. Oh, those expletives. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you had more. You were pissed. Well, it was. It was like because it's dangerous too. Right, and, the, dangerous. and we ran, and we ran out completely. Oh, I mean, swords, we completely yeah. we lost all the aluminum blades. Yeah, because we used to have like a heavy sword that w that we would use for close shots, and then lighter ones for the wider shots, so you could move a little quicker with it. And we just we everything was gone except the heavy original sword. Yeah. That's right. So that was really interesting. Also, Stan curses the man. Gotta love Stan. Also, I love that he teases Adrian for his pronunciation of expletives. Expletives. <laughs> That's what it's it's expletives. 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 Uh, and also, I guess that was the, the demise of Richie's old sword. Right. And we've heard many stories about that from Mr. Efron McAsh about how this blade was like... He was like, if apart. I was there when they picked that blade, like we never would have picked it. But then we were stuck with this stupid thing. It sounds like he and he would always get his hand cut on it. Yeah, that sucks. So Mac and Richie go at it. He's ready to take his head. And Joe, this fight's great. And it's loaded with emotion. It's awesome. And Richie's yeah. like, why? Yeah, like why after this thing? We like nobody seems to realize what's happened. Right. Even though they discuss it like minutes before Mac leaves to go kill Coltac. Yeah. Like they everyone's can't like, piece this they can't piece this together, or no one's concerned. Like, if it is real, maybe it'll happen to you. But yeah, Richie's like, is it just because of the game? Like, teacher kills the student, blah blah blah. Max gonna take his head, and then Joe shows up, blap blap blap, blap blap blap, blap. shoots Blows the shit out. Of yeah, it's good and stuff. Just tells Richie yeah, to beat it. it. Is. Right, just go. Richie runs away, probably wisely. How does Joe tie up Mac? Mm. With ropes. He, ropes. <laughs> I guess he brought ropes, and he like somehow is able to drag his body over to i don't know it's some piece of training equipment charlie's ghost appears and <laughs> helps him tie him up charlie the friendly ghost so mac is fucking intense here i'm like ap's performance here i really dig yeah he's i good. think he's creepy as fuck a lot of it's in like his eyes yeah like when he he keeps on doing this thing real like look down and his eyes will be looking up yeah and it's a real creepy look like he must i think he probably spent a lot of time making spooky faces yeah probably the mirror yeah adrian i think does a great job of like coming up with like what evil duncan's gonna be like mm -hmm. it's good but yeah so joe like has the sword to mac's neck and in one of the creepiest things ever like mac is like no a little closer and he like puts his own neck 
closer to the blade. I was like, this is so fucked. It's awesome. Like, yeah, good choice. It's great. And Max Joe, is, oh, when he kisses the sword too. Yeah, he kisses. That's the even sword. creepier. Yeah. Is Joe honestly contemplating chopping off Max's head? Do we think here? Maybe, but he clearly is not comfortable with any of this. Yeah. Joe decides to release Mac. I don't know why you would release... Like, I understand not killing Mac, but why, but I don't understand, like, him? how about call Richie on a phone and say, like, maybe you can come back now and, like, we need to, like, figure out something. Shoot him again. <laughs> yeah, shoot him again. Yeah. Also, call your buddy Adam Pearson up. There's no worry of the gunshots being overheard. I mean, I guess that's the same when Xavier sent his right. goons to blow up the place. <laughs> Mac then hears some like creepy murmuring in his head. Like Mac, mm-hmm. this happens in the next episode. Like there's that's like old Mac or something. The goodness is in there still, and so he gets like a headache thing and he splits. He's like, uh, yeah. I'm done. Like so he doesn't kill Joe, which is good. Which is good. It's good it's that it's Joe good. doesn't die here. And then, no. but then Mac makes a very confusing decision to go be an anonymous seaman on a boat. Oh, I didn't think this was that. Conv- I thought like as a direct after effect of like. The goodness was taught. Like, I think Mac knew what was going on and was like, I need to get away from everybody. Yeah. Like, I think he was trying to remove himself from everybody he cared about. Yeah, that's how I took it. Fair enough. Yeah. But, like, couldn't he just go somewhere remote? You know, I mean, that, that's, that going, is what he's doing. He is ultimately going to France. And it's like, he could just fly. I guess. But, I mean, I, I imagine that this is months le- I mean, I don't know what this trip was like and where they went before they ended up in France. Yeah. That's fair. Like, I, I didn't imagine this was maybe a direct. You know, I think this was maybe six months later or something. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't know where the boat's going. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. even care, right? I don't know. Like, yeah. Don't you want to know where we're going? No. Yeah, I think Mac is just running away. Yeah, but this is a rough cruise or something. Cruise? It's not a cruise. It's rough cruise. <laughs> it's not, yeah, this a cruise. Rough journey. Yeah, he's being a seaman. The cruise hard, the pay's lousy. <laughs> Tough deals. Tough deals. And so that's the episode. And we actually don't get it to be continued, no. which is interesting. It's oh, like... Yeah. And I think as a viewer, that's like an interesting thing. It's like, oh, I don't know what the trajectory of the show is going to be. Like, yeah, it's over. It could be over. I mean, honestly, what a great ending that would be. Oh yeah, that would be. Gets evil, becomes yeah, baddie. So we got some wild immortals introduced in this bad boy. Are there any interesting Watcher Chronicles that might shed some light on these guys? You bet your booty. No, I won't. All right, Eamon's booty. Watcher Chronic. That's right. That chronic. Get that chronic. chronic. All right. Well, the first chronicle we're going to read today is from Mr. Coltec. Please, my father's Mr. Coltec. Call me Jim. Call That's me right. Jim. So no one alias is Coltec, spelled with a K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real. Uh, and James Coltec, born circa 1150. Doom. First death, 1190. And a, I guess this is referencing a Lakota. It says Lakota song, colon, wrestled God for soul of dying man. It says first death, circa 1190. Lakota song, colon, wrestled God for soul of dying man. Okay. So I guess that's like the only history they have on like how he died. Mm. That's my guess is that the song references him wrestling God. For someone else's soul, which is interesting. Oh, I, that has nothing to do with this plot, though. We shouldn't. We should not read anything into that in any way. Well, wait. I'm are making, you being? You're being. Yeah, I'm making. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> First teacher, undetermined. <laughs> not unknown. Undetermined. All right. Original cultural affiliation, Mississippian. Recent base of operations, Washington D.C. Occupation. Oh, guess what he is? Hayoka. <laughs> Indian. I bet it just says. Native American lobbyist. Oh, hey, how about that? Cool. I like that. Yeah, a that's a good one. I'm surprised it doesn't say Ioka. Yeah. It's like what? That's not a 
I guess it is. I don't know. Roster status deceased. Ooh. All right. So let's read his chronicle. He came from a time when his people covered the land. Their great cities, a testament to their strength and their harmony with the land. Coltec watched his people rise, and he watched them fall as the land was taken by others and the harmony fell silent. Now is the time for Coltec as well to pass from the land. If there was any Coltec left in that raving monster, he'd become... <laughs> there we go. Wowzers. I think it would have been his wish to die. Since before this land's memory... Coltec had been facing the evil, taking it into himself and thus defeating it, in order to protect his people from its horrors. But he had learned that there are some evils that cannot be defeated. Coltec knew the face of the monster better than anyone, and to know the monster now wore his face would have killed him more surely than Duncan's blade. But no, Duncan's Blade really did it. That's the one. All right, so we also have a chronicle on Mr. Horvan Kant. His name is Horvan. Horvan. Or Horvan. Gillian Horvan Kant. (laughs) No, and alias is Harry Kant. Oh. Okay. That's on purpose. Yeah. Somebody was having fun. Okay, John Aletto. Harry Kant. Harry Kant, yeah. Okay. We're picking up what you're putting down. Boy, oh boy. He was born in 1798 in Königsberg, East Prussia. His first death was in 1831, hung for killing the mayor's brother-in-law. Wow. That's a very specific relation. (laughs) Yeah, right. First teacher, Frederick Mandelbaum. 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 Um, Oh, my back. (laughs) Original cultural affiliation, Prussian. Recent base of operations, no fixed address. His occupation is... Thief and killer. <laughs> I don't think killer is an occupation, and no. thief is a stretch. No, thief's an occupation. Really? I mean, I, I guess. If you make your living by stealing. Can, like the like these fat cats on Wall Street. <laughs> am I right? Am I right? Very good. So, He's actually just in derivatives. Yeah. So this is a, this is a classic Watcher Chronicle. Ooh. Get ready, guys. This hairy cunt got exactly <laughs> what he deserved. <laughs> he just needed someone to fuck him senseless. <laughs> So here is the Immortal Chronicle for Mr. Harry Cunt. (laughs) I cannot believe it says that. Holy shit. Nice work. So long, listeners. (laughs) Honestly, big props to the writers. For every goofy Watcher Chronicle we've ever read, this makes up for all of them. (laughs) All of them. Instantly. These these are now a 10. So this chronicle reads... I'm going to have a tough time reading this. Harry... (laughs) Harry Cunt... Look in the dictionary under scum. <laughs> Classic. And I bet he has a page all to himself. Dope. That's how dictionaries work. Dope, yeah. booze, you name it. Kant did it. If the guy wasn't immortal, he would have killed himself a long time ago. Has a serious allergy to work. When he wants something, he just takes it. A real psychopath. Doesn't mind stealing. Doesn't mind killing. Only minds if something gets in his way. But nothing gets in his way for very long. Oh, the old hairy cut. Was that it? <laughs> That's it. Oh, it doesn't it doesn't mention Coltec killing him. No, it's weird. But I love the look under the di- the look under the dictionary. <laughs> How many Watcher Chronicles have some phrase like that? Look under the dictionary, and you'll find and you'll find a table that you set the dictionary on top of. Yeah. yeah. No one ever has a thesaurus. Look under. What's a synonym for scumbag? Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh. All right, we have another. There was a lot of lot of cats in this yeah. uh, episode, including Ooh, cat, this cats, including this cat. I dig it, Daddy O. Bryce Corland. He was born in 1838 in Ithaca, New York. Ooh, His first really? death was in 1871 
It was an ice fishing accident. Ooh, too cool. <laughs> His first teacher was Patrick Lynch. Original cultural affiliation was American. Recent base of operations in New York. New York. Mm. Uh, oh, that New York. And his occupation was a beat poet. That's wishful thinking that that's an wow. occupation. <laughs> hey, he was a big deal, it seems. And he probably made a made some side scratch. You know what? He was a big deal. Like, yeah, all those cats knew him, right? Goons. They're like, yo, yeah. that's Bryce Corlin, man. <laughs> man. I dig. All right. Now, one of my favorite Watcher Chronicles of all time. This is Bryce Corlin's. There once was an Emmy named Bryce who really wasn't very nice. You're kidding. Then along came a red man who Ooh. cut off his head man and put the beat poet on ice. Wow. You're... Oh, God. That's amazing. <laughs> yep. Why did that... That's pretty Also, good. along came a red man? The rapper. <laughs> yeah, along the, came... The Wu-Tang Clan member. And by the way, underneath it, it says, Bryce Corlin, rest in pieces... May 8th, 1958. (laughs) Don't worry. It's not over. We have another chronicle. Surprisingly, a non-immortal chronicle. I just thought this one was kind of interesting. This is for Renee Ginsburg. Who? Yeah, exactly. Who's Renee Ginsburg? Random person in the crowd at the Beat Poetry Mm. Slam, whatever. She worked from 1972 to 1984 as a watcher professor at the training academy. Mm. There's an academy now. Yep. Watcher Training Academy. From 1969 to 70, Amanda, 57 to 68, and Duncan McLeod. And then from 55 to 57, she watched somebody called Liza Camarada. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and also one of her skills is self-defense and poetry. But self-defense and poetry? That's right. Does she defend herself with poetry? Yeah. I thought her little Watcher Chronicle was interesting. It's from the Tribunal Record, May 17th, 1968. In the matter of the arrest of Renee Ginsburg in the recent Paris insurrections, the tribunal rules that Miss Ginsburg has the right to a lawyer affiliated with the Watchers because this arrest did take place while Miss Ginsburg was carrying out her duties observing and chronicling Duncan McCloud in the midst of the up- uprising. However, as this is Miss Ginsburg's third arrest in as many years in political demonstrations and civil rights activisms, both in the U.S. and Europe, the tribunal strongly cautions her to curtail such behavior. For over 3,000 years, the Watchers have remained a non-political, neutral international body, and there is no place in its ranks for personal, political, social, or religious beliefs to interfere in our quest for truth. Miss Burt... Miss Burnt, Miss Ginsburg should consider this a formal reprimand with the knowledge that the next time such an incident since the next time an incident occurs, she will be punished accordingly. Oh. So she's a little political activist. Oh boy, I'm having trouble talking. What did you just say? She's a little political activist. So she's into the political willings and dealings. <laughs> Not really. She's, she's a hippie. Yeah, she's a hippie. But. Then there's Max Chronicle following all this. Wow, we've got like six on. I know, right? Well, it's because I want to read that because she's Max Chronicler during the '60s. And, oh, right, right. So that gives you a little background on who's writing this chronicle, who's laying down. Is this one also in rhyme? I wish. Ready? So this is what she wrote about Mac in 1958. Duncan McCloud is the absolute coolest. <laughs> the way he challenged Bryce Corland, smooth, very smooth. He took the man down with his own versification. He didn't even break a sweat. He was happening. Sure, it was Coltec who finally sent Corlin to the great rhyming dictionary in the sky. What? (laughs) The great rhyming dictionary in the sky. Oh, boy. But I don't think the hows and whys bothered Mac, as long as the couplet king was out of commission. 
So there's been some gems, Whoa. gems this week. The Couplet King. That sounds like a villain of Batman's that's been <laughs> brainwashed by the Joker and is like a joke villain, like the Condiment King. Yeah, the Couplet King. Mm-hmm. The Couplet King is here. What about the Couplet Queen? He's single, ready to mingle. <laughs> See that's more couplets. Yep. Well, let's play a game. Do-do-do. This is going to be another Watcher Tube game. So I'm going to have three rounds of questions with clues pulled from YouTube comments on an episode of Highlander. And you have to guess the episode. One guess per clue. Here's the first round and the first clue. Dunk is noble, but there is a limit to that. He should have let it go. Dunk is noble? Dunk is noble. <laughs> Dunk is noble. But there is a limit to that. He should have let it go. Chivalry. No. Give me a second. Hang on. I'll think of it later. Keep going. <laughs> I'll think of it later. Round two. Well, there's an episode I'm thinking of, and I can't come up with a name. High school throwback with the finger bang. Oh, Wrath of Cali. Yes. Oh. High, somebody wrote high school throwback? High school throwback. That was not the episode I was thinking of. the finger bang. Did one of us write that uh, YouTube comment? Yeah. The final clue, Indian chicks are hot, too. Oh, good. They are hot, too. They're people, too. Yeah, great. We can objectify any kind of woman. (laughs) As a feminist, I believe all women can be objectified. (laughs) (laughs) Round two. I love every show of Highlander, no matter what other people think. See no evil. No. (laughs) The Gathering. Nope. Okay. (laughs) Round two. One of the best episodes made for a number of different reasons that most of you who commented in the negative will never ever understand oh boy the zone no timeless no final clue of round two i looked up dumb bitch in the dictionary and it was defined as a pregnant woman going into a disaster oh my god i just did it hero blitz oh my god (laughs) so we still return to terrible misogyny youtube is a wellspring of Misogyny. Horrible misogyny against Anne specifically. I like how you both did clues from the Blitz. Wait, Kyle, did you I did not do the Blitz? Oh, I you just picked session. another episode. You just did another episode that hated on Anne. Well, yeah. Well, I wanted an Anne episode to send her off right. Oh boy, I looked up "dumb bitch" in the dictionary. Oh my god, that's rough. Yeah, that's just like I looked up "scum" in the. That's dictionary. just like leader of the pack. Rough. <laughs> leader of the pack. Run, run. This is the final round. You are both tied. Clue the first. Mythos and Duncan are cool, and so is Richie. Fact. Was that your guess? Something yeah. wicked? Nope. Line of fire. Nope. Mythos is not in that episode. Idiot. Round two. Clue two. Pretty bad Claire de Lune. Ha ha. Sounds timeless. Like yep. Timeless. Keith wins. Good job. Time after time. And this is the final clue. I don't get it. That dying girl isn't hot at all. She has a forehead like a drive-in movie theater. It'd be like banging a doomed Klingon. <laughs> a, a doomed Klingon. A doomed Klingon. Why is the Klingon doomed? Referring to uh, Alexa in her Oh my god. Dying. Doomed Klingon. So dark. <sighs> Fuck these people. <laughs> Do- these are our fans. These are our fans. Well, I'm no Those fan. These are our fellow Those Highlander people. fans. Doomed Klingon. Yikes. Congratulations, Keith, on your victory. Thanks. Well done. So, guys, let's talk something wicked. Something wicked. First off, we can talk about the title, which comes from Macbeth. 
Into oh. something wicked this way comes. That's right. Or comes from the Ray Bradbury story, something wicked this way comes. I'm not sure which one they're actually referencing. Hmm. Why would it be the Ray Bradbury one? Uh, I don't, I don't know, know anything about that. I don't know if it ties in a little bit more closely to what this episode is about like it's about like this carnival of like freaks that comes to a town like but they bring like evil with them i believe hmm. and so like the, yeah this it's idea all their tattoos yeah probably their little hands so I'm, I'm not sure if that's what they're referencing more like the ray ba- bradbury story which deals with like an actual evil coming to a town or if it's which is of course in itself a reference to macbeth well i think it's probably the macbeth all I right so what do we think of something wicked episode 13 I liked it. Ooh, episode 13. Ooh. Oh, that's right. Spooky Halloween episode, am I right? Aired February 26th or whenever this aired. Yeah. Spooky Halloween. I enjoyed it a lot. This episode does a good job of being a lot of fun, being silly, but delivering on a lot of right notes, and delivering some great performances. Really good performances. Strong kind of across the board from our entire main cast, really. Evil Duncan is great. We'll get more of him. We'll get more than we ever wanted of him. Yeah. Uh, so will some other people. <laughs> oh, evil Duncan. The fight with Richie is cool, but he doesn't really have much to do in this episode. Except it's true. get beat. Yeah, get it's beat. a bummer because he's also not in the next episode. Which is so... baffling. Yeah. But I like that they finally paid off this idea that's been dwelling since season one. Yeah, about it's crazy this that this is from season one. So that's a great payoff. It makes a lot of sense. There's some weird flourishes in this that I don't quite understand. Like the quickening's odd. The white whooshes are a bit odd. Yeah, I strangely don't mind the white flashes as much as I mind some like other video effects. Like, I don't know. I just don't understand what they're meant to convey. And they're also puzzling. They're like odd, uncommon visual cues. So mm. a lot like between those two things, it's odd. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but like I'm curious if you took them all out, would you ever view this episode any differently? Like, would you, I mean, like, were they put in later? Like, they cut the episode together. Like, did they really want to show, like, at this moment, this person has, like, fully transformed into, like, a new evil version of themselves? So that's why they put it there. But I think people act on those impulses right away. Yeah, like, it's not subtle. Yeah. Also, I mean, honestly, not having it be that cued in is maybe better. Like, to have it be mm. like, I don't know what's going on with this character yet. Yeah. You know, it's not apparent just from the outset. That it's something supernatural is happening to them? Yeah. Or that they've changed it all. It's like, oh, suddenly, like, you piece it together. Like, oh, maybe something is different, and they're acting a different way. And It doesn't add anything to me, but it doesn't also fit with the rest of the season. Right. I really don't like the freeze frame typing thing. That oh, is, like, the that's weirdest. Silly. That was weird. In an episode that has a lot of strange i shouldn't even say strange unique visual flares like why dutch angles one? which is like something i don't always hate but like mm-hmm. it's should, a thing this show doesn't continue. do a lot and suddenly is doing them it's like okay dutch angles we should remind our viewers of what they are for those who do not well know. they were invented by the dutch the shoes they wear are always longer because <laughs> they're handmade dutch shoes they're crooked so when the dutch would hold cameras they, they were just never straight, and yeah, they're always in an angle. A bit. Mm-hmm. It's like when the image is on an angle, like skewed a little bit, um, like Batman 66 is famous for it. They're not shot head on, but they're shot at a weird angle. Right. Usually a villain is to indicate something's like off. They have a skewed perspective. That's, That's right. right. Mm-hmm. As, you, as Eamon would normally That's say. Right. They look at things a little differently. differently. That's right. Differently. There was an interesting effect earlier that I don't think we touched on when Coltec first takes Kant's quickening. There's like a ghost of Kant like following him. There's like an after image hmm. that it's Kant. Is he just using the after image technique? He is. That mm-hmm. checks out. Are you feeling left out, Keith, by our dragon 
ball joke. Yeah, I don't know what Dragon that is. balls. Dragon balls. You move so fast that there's an after image of you to confuse your opponent. Whoa, cool. Cool, dude. <laughs> Dragon balls. I really like the idea of Coltec. Like this idea of him being this like savior in a way to like yeah. save other people from their own suffering. And also like I love Star Trek V. Like I'll say it again. But yeah. like I like that it tapped into that sort of mythology. I like Coltec's weird power to take the evil i don't know if i love his arm raisy power that much. whatever that was that was just confusing but apparently he can also startle horses yeah there's always two things he can do he can they're bad guy bait and they make horses go nay right but i i think that actor did a good job playing the two coltex and i think Adrian Paul. Tale of two Coltex. A tale of two Coltex. I think Adrian Paul did an amazing job playing the evil McLeod. It's nice to let him have a little fun. No, he's great in this. This is one of AP's better or best performances so far, I think. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really great. It is. Another thing I liked about this, well, I mentioned Star Trek V. Another thing that this, like, reminds me of, again, like, all the specific Northwest mythology is Twin Peaks. Mm. And I'm also curious, like, how much it was influenced by some of that. I mean... That's a show that deals with doppel like twin doppelgangers, good and evil, like within one person. Wendigos. Are there any Wendigos in what's Twin Peaks? A, what's a Wendigo? It's like a Native American evil spirit. Is it pronounced Wendigo or Wendigo? I don't know. My name is Wendigo Montoya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Father. They they really double down in the even the newer season of Twin Peaks with this like Jowde character, Jowdy. Which is like another evil spirit thing, and also even like the ending of this, we were discussing like who knows what the end. Of, like if the show ended here, it's like what a Twin Peaks ending. Like Mac, the champion of this would the champion of all Peaks. things good, just is fucking terrible at the end and just goes off like into the night. <laughs> like oh fuck, like what a bummer. <laughs> Very Twin Peaksy. So which is really cool. The White That's Lodge, the Black Lodge. But also, I mean, like, we'll see actually some of these Twin Peaks sort of themes carry out. A lot of all that Twin Peaks stuff is from Native American mythology. So, like, in the next episode when we'll see Mac having to confront this stuff, like, literally, this is Twin Peaks shit. Like, where Agent Dale Cooper needs to, like, confront himself and, like, one version will win. So, I think it's pretty neat. The gum you like is going to come back in style. Duncan McLeod. <laughs> it's interesting on the special features, Gillian Horvath talked about how she wishes they actually had more time with evil Duncan. Mm-hmm. That they could just like let him be evil for like the rest of the season and it was up to the supporting cast to like become the heroes. That would be cool. Yeah. Like a real epic final showdown yeah. or something. And he fights each character. Sure. That could be cool. It would be cool. We, we keep talking about, like, hey, like, are they going to do another season-long villain, like, with Callus? It's like, it's, it'd be great if it was Duncan. Yeah. That would be cool. That'd be dope. Duncan versus Mythos. Duncan versus Amanda. Duncan versus Zombie Charlie. Duncan versus Batman. Duncan versus Batman. <laughs> versus Alien versus Predator. No matter who wins, we all lose. Right. Kyle, how many doppelgangers would you give this episode? I'm going to say this right now. It would be a 3.5, but... Because of that beat poem, oh boy. it's totally getting boosted to a four. Wow. There's great concepts in this. It's silliness. It wears on its sleeve and somehow makes me like like it more. There's good fight scenes. There's great emotional content. The performances, I think, are arguably the best that we've seen in the series to date. Certainly from Adrian Paul. Also from Stan Kirsch. I think this is really solid in a lot of ways. Four whole honkin' doppelgangers. Four whole honkins. Four whole honkin'. The darkness 
Hole honking. <laughs> four hole honking. Watch four holes get honked <laughs> in this four hour What's the porn extravaganza. Like it's a four hour porno. Yeah. It's so long. Bang for your buck. Literally. Eamon, how many beat poems would you give this? I would give this episode, you dig, uh, four beat poems, you crazy cats. What's a Highlander episode without pyromania? <laughs> I mean, I am on fire right now. Also, quick question. Yes. Didn't, I don't know if we had, we talked about this at the time. Is when he says, what's death without pyromania? They show a clip of someone on fire. Is that Gabriel Patone? Oh, was it? Do we oh, think no that's shit. the footage they used? I, I that would, would not, not be surprised. surprised. I uh, thought it was, but. That's awesome. So he could tell the future. That's too. right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got no future, Jack. So you broke into his apartment and set him on fire? <laughs> also, I'd like to point out that I never ended up saying it. It was written a couple times. But how did we not make an Indian, you know, joke? <laughs> the Indian, you know. We're very respectful. <laughs> yes, yeah, clearly. Did we do any of that on Wrath of Kali either? Yes, we yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, we did. Well, we're being respectful. Yeah. This time. Yeah. This time. <laughs> how many dunked Richies over the side of a railing would you give this episode? Uh, I'll give this a solid four. It's got pretty much everything I love about a Highlander episode. Uh, it doesn't have a moral question, which is interesting, but it replaces it with like mythology building. Mm-hmm. So we haven't it's had equivalent in some way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we haven't had a sort of mythology building episode since. I mean, like the the Watchers were a big one in season two. Then right. we get like the Methuselah Stone is like a new like thing that's hinted at, which will become bigger, like a more important thing later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is like a thing that was hinted at, like you mentioned, Kyle, in season one. That's like finally happening. It's like, oh, this is like a ramification of being immortal, which is cool to see added to the show. Yeah, I mean, it's got great flashbacks. They're good flashbacks also because like it makes a pretty good use of some old flashbacks, and it didn't feel too much like padding to me. Like they flash back to what episode was that? Line of Fire. Line of Fire with like the Sioux camp, but it's yeah. got some like new narration. It gets us caught up and then like continues that flashback story. Like literally just maybe weeks later where Mac is looking for Kern, which also is cool. Cause it ties in like that whole plot. Like, well, we do find out that Mac runs into Kern later and you know, that yeah. is a story arc that does get resolved kind of on its own. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's got a broad scope to it, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the video effects don't take away like in another episode. I, we, I would tease them mercilessly. Well, yeah, be like, a, what the fuck is all this? Doesn't float up, right? Yeah. It's not like, like I don't know. Somehow, I am able to buy into it all. I actually don't think they need it too much, but they don't. And maybe that's the reason I don't mind it. You know, some episodes have like goofy effects, or just like even movies or whatever, like have some goofy thing in it like that. And it's really supplanting like good storytelling. And it's like if it didn't have these goofy special effects, this episode would still be a four. I don't feel like it's taking the place of anything substantial, which is good. And you can see Richie fight, which is good. Gotta get that Richie fight. Richie. Get that Richie fight. So that is our review of Season 4, Episode 13, Something Wicked. Join us next week when we're going to be talking about Episode 14, Deliverance, the exciting conclusion to this arc. But if you liked what you heard today and have liked the podcast, make sure to like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate a five-star review. Those reviews help get us in front of more fans of the show and introduce Highlander to brand new fans. And we'd love it.
That was a big old L. We'd love it. I do that. Love it, babe. If you want to go back and listen to the podcast. love it. Yeah, go back and listen to the podcast. Anytime I elongate a word, just remember, I don't know what I'm about to say next, and that's why I'm doing it. So Five stars. Five stars. I just assume you're about to say, let's get ready to rumble. It's a lot of anticipation. Who knows what I'm going to say? Wrestling announcer in his spare time. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Well, let's play a game. That's my transition. Well, let's play a game. game. God damn it.